Ready. What is that? That's me, my karate moves. Getting ready. You've been practicing at the Cobra Kai? Yeah. Drink close. Ready to go. Mm-hmm. Gotta poop. Damn it. Hold up. <laughs> All right, well. You're already recording. That's going to be on the podcast. Damn it. I guess we'll break. <laughs> we'll pause for pooping. We'll... No, no. I'll power through. I'll power through. I guess. Wow. Yep. That's, yep. That's, dedication, sir. Dedication. That's bold. Yeah. It, it may tend to be foolish in my decision making. I feel but... like I'm going to be doing half this podcast on my own. Yeah, probably. That's in most of the case, though. <laughs> Halfway through this episode, you're just going to dash off. Yeah, either to get a drink or to, to you know, we're not going to get into it because I know you're recording, so we're mm. not going to get gross here. So choose your own adventure for the audience. <laughs> yeah. And what audience now that they've all turned it off after this pre-roll? Definitely. Yep, 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 yep. Welcome to the No Budget Filmmaking Podcast, presented by Cinema Summit, a podcast about the art of making films, no matter how small the budget. And now, here are your hosts, Alex Dark and Trevor L. Nelson. Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining us. This is episode 11 of the No Budget Filmmaking Podcast. I'm Trevor L. Nelson. And I'm Alex Stark. And today we're talking about screenplays for no budgets. Yay. Finding them, writing them, whatever. Reading them. Reading them. Yeah. All that fun stuff about screenplays. Screenplays yeah. up in the face. Yep. Or ears, because this is not a visual medium. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. but first, Alex, what are we drinking today? Today we're drinking uh, another vodka soda, which yeah. I believe we drank last time, too. I do too. believe so. It was just so, def so delicious and refreshing. It is. Defreshing, as I say. Um, it was hard to pass up. Uh, we had the option of doing a whiskey soda, but I said nay. Nay, he said. Nay. And uh, we went back with the vodka soda. Mmm, delicious. Hitting a back button. to the well. Back to the... <laughs> 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 I wonder why they call it back to the well. Is that where you just get your alcohol? You just there used to be a magical well where it was just filled with alcohol. No, I think um, I think they're just talking about a well. Dude, so I'm just basically putting alcohol in every everything. It's like, well, it has to have something to do with alcohol. If it's a great, if it's a great saying, it has something to do with alcohol. But I guess why you're does right. the horse go to the well if there's no alcohol? Yeah, <laughs> that horse seems to be making a stupid mistake. Um, yeah, I guess you're right. That probably would be back to the well to get water, and there necessarily mm. doesn't mean that has anything to do with alcohol. No. Mm. So step one for me is realizing I have a problem. No, no, I. That's a, one, step one for everyone. That's true. That's true. Uh, yes. Yeah, so back to the well for anything liquid, yeah. <laughs> but uh, mostly water. Water. That's what we're talking about. Of course. Um, so yeah. So w first off, what's new in the lives of us? Just so much stuff. We had a hard time coming yeah. up with it. <laughs> tell, tell us, Trevor. Well, one thing, since we are talking about uh, screenplays, wanted to, you know, do a little self-promotion. Not too much, but, you know, it's kind of self-promotion, but it's just kind of more to help our listeners out there. We have a, a documente on our website, cinemasummit.com. It's called 36 Dramatic Situations, and it's, uh, it's translated from an old, old, old school French... It's a French, French, yeah. French text about... It's not that old. It's not like the 1600s. It's like 1900s. Still old. 1916. Okay, I shouldn't have said three olds. One old. It is One an old, old document uh, that uh, kind of lays out dramatic situations that will improve anything you're writing. This was, you know, 
back before screenplays, this was plays and poems and novels and all that. They're just situations that you can put your characters in that will add dramatic tension and move your story forward. And it's just kind of a guide. So if your story feels a little flat or if your screenplay doesn't, you don't feel it has enough pizzazz, kind of peruse this document, look at what situations have been around. You know, they... They say the storytelling, you know, there's only so many stories you can tell. Well, this kind of reinforces that by the 36 kind of common dramatic situations that help boost your screenplay. Yeah, and we're calling it a cheat sheet yes. because you can sort of use it as a little bit of cheat sheet to get some inspiration for not even um, scripts that you already have, but maybe you're coming up with an idea or developing an idea that um, you want to turn into a script. And you can sort of flesh it out with some of these dramatic situations as well. So that's available to download on our website, cinemasummit.com. And you can also find it in the show notes yep. of this episode. Yep. And uh, Cheat Sheet will help me with the Pythagorean theorem on my math test. Uh, yes. But Sweet. you won't be able to bring it. You'll have to write it on your hand and hide it from the teacher. Mm, good call. I love the dramatic situations of the Pythagorean theorem. Mm-hmm. My favies. Yeah. Um, what else we got going on? We uh, talked to some guy today about doing a little bit of motion graphics works for some of his, uh, I don't know, do we decide if they're TV shows or web series? I think they're web, web-based. They're web. He yeah. wants to do some graphic intros, you know, 30 seconds to a minute long, some pizzazz, as I like to be saying a lot today for some reason. Yeah, extra pizzazz. I, I just want pizza. Trevor's feeling really sparkly today. Yeah, just bejeweled everything. Um, so yeah, yeah. So we're going to do some of those, maybe some intros, maybe some other types of broadcast package type things. No, maybe a little post-production work as well. So that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Don't hate that. What else and, you got? Uh, let's see. Oh yeah. Um, in the next episode. Uh-oh. We already gonna, have an idea for the next episode. We already, we're, we're, we're ahead, ahead of our time. We are ahead. Uh. Next episode, we're going to be talking about business plans. Which I think is going to be pretty exciting for some people. Also, really not exciting for other people. Because it's one of those things where it's something you need to do if you're going to get investors involved. Mm-hmm. But it's also kind of a, a boring, monotonous, dreadful task to some. Yeah, that perhaps aren't are more creative and less business oriented. Yeah, I would say that. Um, I would say that. You know, most of the no budget films that you're making are passion projects and stuff like that. But remember, when you move up the chain, filmmaking is a business and it needs money and it need people need to see a return on their investment. And so business plans are important. I'd argue that even at the passion project stage, it's it should be thought of as a business because ultimately that's like the first step in that, like for your personal business, personal brand. Yep. Uh, and so don't forget that there is a business aspect to this. We're going to try and get you uh, caught up on the world of business plans so that you can get investors for your next project, no matter how big or how small. You know, you need – not everybody has the luxury of being able to shoot their own stuff on their own budget. So, you know, and as they always say, why use your money when you can use somebody else's? That so is true. we'll uh, walk you through making a business plan that you can push out to potential investors and get money for your next project. Super exciting, I know, guys. Super exciting. Very exciting. And then also we we just tested out our setup oh, to do some interviews for man. this show because we've it's just been us for the past um this is the eleventh episode, so super the past boring 10 episodes really super bad. boring. Ooh. Oh, a notification on your computer, I hear. Yeah. Excellent. I'm sorry for everyone I'm smacking my lips for so long, so much. I don't know why I did last episode. My apologies. Probably really loud, really loud and really annoying. Chapped. Yeah. <laughs> really chapped. <laughs> I need some Carmex. Um, um, so anyway, we're going to be having some interviews on the show with other 
um, filmmakers and also... Wow. Wow. Just mute your computer. I'm muting it now. Please do. <laughs> mute it. I, I would have figured you'd mute it after the first notification, but I well, guess not. who knows? Uh, Creative Cloud's updating for some reason. Interesting. All right. It's um, very good. All right. Excellent. Yeah. Um, uh, but anyway, we're going to have filmmakers. We're going to have other people in the industry, people... On the business side. On the business side. Talking, you know, going back to the well on the business side. Nailed yeah. it. New, new catchphrase yeah, for me. Exactly. Now that I know what it means. Um, but you yeah. can add some pizzazz to that catchphrase if you want. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> so yeah, we're gonna have uh, we're gonna start getting into some interviews here, um, and you know get get you some more information in your craniums about filmmaking and the business aspect, as well as some talks with people who are in the same shoes as you are and came out on top with a film to boot yeah, to boot. Cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. Pretty cool. Got some people lined up, and we'll be hitting you with those shortly. Don't want to give it away. Yeah, don't want to give it away. Got to make you stay tuned. <laughs> All right, um, so shall we? Yeah, shall we dive let's, in? Let's get into it. Screenwriting, the heart of filmmaking. Without a story, you really don't have anything. Yeah, um, so, that's true. So let's first start off with, you know, filmmakers, especially no-budget filmmakers, always try and figure out where can I get a screenplay. And there's two options. One, you know, you can go and find a screenplay. We'll talk about that later. But the most common and the most... Yeah, the most common way people start off in film industry is they write their own story. Short yeah, script. As an auteur. Yeah, as an a writer-director. Auteur. Um, <laughs> did I put an R on there? Yeah. I think you did. Yeah, wow. I'm just on fire with the English language today. Um, it's difficult. Too much of this flea-flowing vodka from the well. Um, <laughs> um, so, yeah, so a lot of people just start off writing their own screenplay, and they... You know, I started writing screenplays when I was in middle school, didn't really know what I was doing, uh, was reading other screenplays to try and get the format down because I couldn't afford, I don't even, in middle school, I don't want to date myself. I'm sure Final Draft was available, but I wasn't going to pay for it. Yeah, heck uh, no. So I was just writing it in Word and that kind of stuff and just making All it. All the spaces and tabs, man. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah. It was, it was rough. It was painful, but, you know, I, I, got a, I got my groove and I figured out how to do it. So it's a, one of those things where... If you can write your own script, even better. Yeah. You have a little more control over everything, especially if you're dealing with a, a small budget. Right. Um, so we'll, we'll get into the, the process we kind of go through for writing screenplays. Um, you know, it's everyone has their own process. You can look at videos on YouTube of very successful and famous writers. Uh, John August, who wrote a lot of Tim Burton movies, he has a blog about... Uh, screenwriting and gives a lot of tips yep. and tricks there. So everyone does it a little differently. Um, we're not going to say this is the best way, but this is just kind of how we go through it. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, so uh, we tend to, I know I at least have a little notebook of ideas that I always think would be great screenplays. They're never flushed out that much. They're just in a little idea. You know, I, I, I'm one of those people who I've woken up in the middle of the night with an idea or a dream and I wrote it down on the, my, on a notepad at my, you know, side table and, the next day, woke up, realized I had no idea what I was talking about, threw it away. But then uh, every <laughs> once in a while, <laughs> I get an idea from a dream or in the middle of the night while I'm trying to fall asleep. Um, ideas can come from anywhere. Those are my favorite ideas, yeah. though. The ones that you, you read it back like a day later or two, and you're like, I don't, these words don't actually make a sentence. I'm not, yeah. I'm not sure. There's this famous. That this was an idea, or if I just. 
wrote words. There's this great Seinfeld episode where he wrote, he scribbled a joke on a piece of paper. No idea. The entire episode, he's trying to get different people to read it and see what this says. Everyone has a different <laughs> opinion of what he wrote. And then he watches a movie and it was like a line from the movie that he thought was funny because he was sleep deprived. And then when he hears the line, he's like, that's not funny. That's stupid. Uh, so that's most of my, my scribblings in the middle of the night. I turn, I wake up in the morning and realize I was writing gibberish and I should just move on. But, um, sure. so when, when you have an idea, what I we me and Alex write together, so I say, What do you do? but it's kind of what do we do? Yeah, um, after we have the idea. Well, usually you flesh out the idea into sort of like a condensed log line or like a brief synopsis, I would say, to kind mm-hmm. of encapsulate the whole idea. So it's not just a concept and it's more of like a a story that has the semblance of a beginning, middle, and and end even if it's just a three sentence or two sentence mm-hmm. description or whatever. Yeah, um, I think that's kind of the first thing to do, and that's that's not easy. I mean, it sounds easy. It's like oh, just write like a three sentence description. But for me, especially, like I come up with, I would say concepts more than I come up yeah. with like full movie ideas. So mm-hmm. when I have my like notebook or my document open that has like all the different ideas on it, it's mostly just like concepts, not so much like movie ideas. And so for me, the the difficult part is coming up with what happens specifically in the middle. Yeah. Like the ending is not so difficult, especially, Yeah, but, um, figuring out like kind of what the con- the main conflicts are going to be like in the middle and stuff like that. Adding the meat to the story kind of thing. Exactly. So, but that's what I would say we do first is come yeah. up with kind of like a, a log line. And if, you know, I would recommend having a writing partner just because it's easy to bounce ideas off each other and you can kind of figure out what works and what doesn't work and the other person can bring in other ideas. Um, you know, but if you don't work right well with other people, just throw your ideas around, you know, have a Get together with from friends of yours that are also you know filmmakers and are trying to write a screenplay and bounce ideas off each other and that doesn't mean that they necessarily have to write it with you but they'll have a different perspective they'll look at the idea that you have a little bit more a little little differently and they'll be able to give you some ideas and some suggestions that you may not have thought of I remember the script that we're working on right now Alex had this general idea it was his concept and. He pitched it to me. I liked the idea. It was from you know something we had, he had heard on the news or an article he had read, mm-hmm. and then I he told it to me and I liked it. And then I sat there and thought and thought and thought. And so by me thinking of it separate from Alex, I came back with my own ideas to add more meat to the story, and it kind of fleshed it out more. And we were able to come up with a story that we both really liked that had a, that was had a little more depth, had a little more going on in it than we originally. You know, than originally Alex had pitched to me. So you know, yeah. we we talk about it with people. Even if you don't want to write with someone, talk with people about your idea before you start going to outline and see what they think, and get ideas, bounce it off of people, and they'll they'll give you suggestions. And if they're filmmakers like you, they'll probably give you good suggestions you didn't think of. Yeah. And then speaking of that, you just mentioned outlines. I think that's kind of the next step after mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Um, we tend to. I mean, we've written treatments before. Yeah. But we. We tend to skip that step. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I, the only reason I would think to write a treatment is to show someone else. Yeah. And, it's and that, not for us, for the writing process. A right? treatment is kind of what you show somebody to get funding for a movie if you don't have a script already, or if you're trying to do, you know, maybe a TV show that you're trying to get funded. It's a lot, like Alex said, it's a lot for other people, trying to get yeah. other people interested in your story. If you're just writing it yourself and you're going to shoot it yourself, we tend to just, just go bypass straight that. to the outline. And when it comes to outlining, um, Trevor 
kind of got me onto this method of madness, which is um, the index card oh, uh, love it. framework. But before that, I think really what we do kind of is uh, we start with a, I guess, a beat sheet. Yeah, yeah. Which is like a one-page or two-pager document that is like a very rough outline of just like 16 points. Yeah, 16 beats that really propel like the that. story forward. And then from there, we break it down, and the the index cards are actually like scene by scene, like what each scene um, is about in, and because it's an index card, you can't like go too crazy with it, mm-hmm. but it's just kind of like a short description of what each scene's about. And then you're able to put them up on like a, the wall or a cork board or something and kind yeah. of move them around. Yeah. This is kind of a, this is going to sound super bougie. Uh, but you know, me and Alex are easily distracted. Um, and we are procrastinators to the T. So we actually, when we're writing a new script, we go to a cabin in the woods that has no cell phone service. Yep. Um, no internet. No internet. Um, and we, it kind of forces us because what else we're going to do? I mean, what distracts us the most is something on our phone, something on the internet that we think is cool that leads us down the rabbit hole of watching YouTube videos for 16 hours. Yeah. But by going to this cabin, we're able to just focus solely on the script and kind of just punch out an outline, punch out the, the, the flashcards. And with the flashcards, what I like about them, why I got Alex on them is because we are able to write out our flashcards, put them on the wall, and then as we're looking at it, you're able to able to easily pull off a, pa- a flashcard of an event or uh, a new, uh, situation in your movie and move it around easily. So then you don't have to worry about like, oh, let me try and put an arrow on my notebook on where mm, this other yep. thing goes. You can kind of rearrange insert this the, yeah. extra idea in this page that has no more space for ideas. And it, what you'll tend to see is when you're doing an outline, you'll come up with really cool ideas that may not fit right away, and so you can put them off to the side, but when you are fleshing out your outline and your flashcards, you're like, oh, wait a second, this could go right in there, boom, you have your new idea that you thought was so cool because it's an exploding car with clowns in it, but now it fits yeah. in the story. Explodes into confetti, obviously, because yeah, yeah. clowns are made of confetti. Or whipped cream. Yep. Mm, definitely. Gotcha. Gross. Yeah. <laughs> Yucky. That's what clowns are made of. Confetti and whipped cream. Don't <laughs> but, steal that idea. Oh my God, that's a great idea. I'm going to write that down. That's not our idea. No. Um, <laughs> that's a horrible idea. But, Wait, unless you, unless you came up with that idea. It's a great idea. Yeah. Thanks. Yep. Um, uh, but I think uh, the other cool thing about that, like you said, like we, when we were writing um, or when we write in the woods or whatever, we don't have a cork board, so we were just kind of like, what do we use? Like uh, it's this stuff. It's kind of like the post-it note glue. Yeah, it's like post-it note glue. So you can it's repositionable glue. Yeah, Elmer's makes it, or 3M makes it, and you can yeah. run it on the back of the flashcards, and then you stick it to the wall, and then you can peel it off and stick it somewhere else without reapplying it. it. Um, yeah, that, that works pretty well. And then yeah. we would, like you said, we had kind of like a pile going, or just like a little side area. So we had our main board that had mm-hmm. the scenes in order. Mm-hmm. We a, whenever we came up with like an extra thought that didn't really fit anywhere. Immediately, we would stick it out to the side, and we kind of collected them over there, and then either tossed them or uh, inserted them whenever it came up that it actually happened to work. Yep. Uh, but the other cool thing I really like about the the index card uh, idea is it makes it way more the idea of writing the whole feature way more accessible because then it, it's like okay, you pull down one of the index cards, and it's like okay, I'm writing this scene. Yeah, that's what I'm writing, and then you you put it you know aside, and then you pull it on 
pull down the next one and it's like, I'm doing this and you just do that until you're done. Yeah, exactly. You're not like and trying to find where so... the story's going as you're writing the dialogue and all that. Yeah. Um, it it kind of, it, it's your guide to your screenplay. Yeah. And it doesn't seem so intense. Like it, the idea of approaching a screen, like a, a blank screenplay mm-hmm. page and you're just like, I'm going to start this from nothing. It's like, no, you already have it mapped out. It's pretty much, you know, writing scenes at this point yep. and then you're done. Yeah, exactly. And what also it helps is that you're able to just the one thing that people say all the time and me and Alex will echo this is that you just got to keep writing. Don't get roadblocked. Just write, you know, we have written something that that is, I think our first draft of the screenplay we're working on right now was was 60 pages. Yep. And if you follow the, uh, the old adage that a page is a minute, that's a, that's an hour long film. Mm -hmm. And, that was just because we had these index cards and we knew where we were going, so we were just writing down. We weren't stopping and getting hung up on anything. Because you're going to rewrite your script thousands of times. No, not thousands of times. Tens of Hopefully times. Hopefully not yeah, thousands yeah. of times. Tens, tens of times. Tens of times. Hopefully not hundreds of times. But you're going to rewrite it a lot. So just get the words on paper. Don't uh, the, the, the flashcards keep you just guided in your path, so you just keep on moving to the next scene. Next scene. This scene might not be completely fleshed out the way you want, but then you, you got the next scene that you're ready to go. Yeah, and you just power through you it. You just power through it. And we, we in the in a weekend, so on a Friday, Saturday, with a little bit of Sunday before we had to head back to civilization, we were able to outline flashcard and write a first draft of a feature and yeah. it wasn't great but it was the basis and the the, the, the bones. bones of the feature we're working on now um so it helps just to have your ideas laid out as best as you can before you start diving into the screenplay yeah and it's way easier to go back to a screenplay that's finished but isn't great and make adjustments and make it better than it is to toil you know, your life away trying yeah. to make a, a script perfect. I mean, that's one of the best pieces of advice I got in film school, I think, when it came to screenwriting was one of the, my professors said that you need to give yourself permission to write a really shitty first draft. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Be prepared. It's going to happen. It's If you don't, if you try to make your first draft perfect, you're going to never finish. I mean, exactly. that's, that's the biggest problem I think people have when they when they can't finish their screenplays and they, they end up like moving on to a different script before they finish that one. It's because they want so badly for it to be perfect. And they think it needs to be perfect. And they think it needs to be perfect, but really you just need to get it on the page, finish it so that you can come back and start making it closer to perfect. Exactly. And, and I mean, it may come down to a total rewrite. I mean, we, we had set the script away. We'd set it aside for a little bit and worked on other projects and then came back to it. And I was like, you know what? We just need to, th- like Alex said, the bones were good. We just need to rethink the whole thing. And we took out some stuff and we're in the process of kind of retooling it to a story that wasn't, that's very similar to what we wrote, but it just is a little bit different in terms of what the style, what the tone and what the, the main focus is. Yeah. Um, and that happens a lot, but it, as long as you have something there to build off of you're you're golden, you're a lot farther along than other people. And we, you know, similar to the the Seinfeld thing, we came back to it and read our dialogue and realized oh, that it's mostly garbage. And so oh. did a lot of cutting of dialogue and reworking of dialogue. You know, and, and that's okay. I mean, that's good. Yeah, you want you want to. The dialogue uh, wasn't good, but the that's good that we were able to cut it out. <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, it's good that it was bad because yeah. at least it was finished, and we were able to come back and be like, "Oh man, this stinks," and make it way 
better, you know, yeah. because of it. So, And into the suggestion box, I would say one book that me and Alex kind of followed the guide to, which was, you know, kind of Alex introduced it to me. I was already on flashcards. I was happy to see that this place, this book suggested flashcards or index cards or yeah. note cards, whatever you want to call it. It's called Save the Cat. Um, it's a great book about just the structure of, of screenplays, how to get started. Um, it actually has like a guide to, you know, you know, 10 flashcards in, you should be at this point. Then make a, you know, it actually, what it does, is it gives you, you write five flashcards that are like mm-hmm. your beginning, you know, first act wrap up, second act conflict, second act wrap up, third act finish, end of story. And it gives you those five. And then what you do is you fill in the blanks between those, you know, between flashcard one and two with everything that happens to build up to flashcard your first, your second flashcard. Mm -hmm. Then you go from two to three with all these other flashcards in. And it does a great job of just kind of laying out the structure of of a good screenplay. Yeah. And it does give you really, really specific stuff in terms of like page numbers, but you don't really need to stick to it. It's more just like, it's good to know it as, like you said, a guide, uh, something to, if you get stuck, help you get past issues. But you know, yeah, you don't definitely don't need to stick to it. It's it's one exactly. of those. It's like we said about like learning the basics of cinematography and camera work. Learn the basics so then you can break the rules. Yeah. Um, you got to learn how to write a you know, it could be a just a cookie cutter screenplay, but you got to know how to do that before you start getting into some stuff like Memento where it's going back in time or yeah. stuff like that. What I love about screenwriting books is they all have their special system, right? Like mm-hmm. if you, another book that I read was it's all like the self help books, the writer's all. journey, right? Yeah. Did you read that one? No, I didn't read that one. Uh, it's a, another great one that's about, uh, you know, and it also gives you a very specific kind of roadmap to a finished script. Okay. Um, and then, I mean, there's just dozens of these types of books out there, and they all have examples of um, how it works with specific movies. And I feel like most of the time they use the same movies. That's true. But it's it just goes to show that, like, it's not... Um, the process doesn't matter. The process is really all the same. Like they're they're kind of rewording the process in yeah. different ways, and it's really all very similar. And um, there really is kind of like a formula ish for movies. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it, even if you go da- back to like Shakespeare or whatever, yeah. like even just like three act, five act structure, it's like that's a formula, and, yep. it, and it works. And it's very unchanged since the beginning of storytelling. Right, and so it's one of those things where it's you can try to uh, reinvent the wheel, or you can just say, "Oh yeah, a wheel that works." <laughs> yeah, I mean, and and the follow up, the save the cat strikes back is basically that it 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 picks you know very popular movies and breaks it down based on how he told you to write a screenplay and saves the cat. So, I mean, this is it's not rocket scientist. Wow. My English is just bad today. It's not rocket science, but there is kind of a structure, but you can break it once you know how it is set up. Um, But, you know, it's just one of those things where the more you write, the more comfortable you'll feel, um, the better your scene descriptions will be, the better your dialogue will be. And you just got to write. You got to write. Yeah. And actually, for the, uh, the script that we were writing, I had brought up with us the 36 dramatic situations that we are giving away for free on our website. Selfless and, promotion, selfless yeah. promotion. And um, 
Promoting we used our it. own stuff. <laughs> Promoting our own stuff. Go get it now. It's free. <laughs> we make um, no money off of it. It's a bad business model. <laughs> yeah. It is a bad business model. But uh, hey, yeah, it helps people out and it helped yep. us out. I mean, it was really useful, I thought, for those moments where you're, where you're realizing that the script has a story and it's going somewhere, but there's just not enough conflict. And I feel like yeah. that happens a lot. In that happens a lot. Because you're, you know the trajectory and you kind of like you see the the way to get there, but then you realize, oh, we need to zigzag a little bit more here because we're getting, we're going too fast. And I feel like that's what happened with our script because we, that's why we ended up with 60 pages instead yeah. of 100 was because we didn't zigzag enough and had enough conflicts, you know? And enough drama and enough, like, anything. And, and you'll, you'll realize that as you're going through your script is like, if it starts dragging, it's that, oh, I forget what the exact quote is, but it's that whole thing of like, in the first 15 pages, something has to happen. Right. If if nothing happens in your first fifteen pages, you're going to lose your audience. Sure. I, I would say even ten pages, because if you go page a minute, at ten minutes in, you're, you're something has to happen big. And you know, it's this ongoing joke that me and Alex always have, and I have it with other screenwriting friends of mine, where it's like, you know what? If you find that your script is kind of lagging and it's kind of boring, just blow something up or kill somebody, like mm-hmm. just to blow up a car or something like that. If that's even if it's a, that's not the kind of style your script is, just blow up a car, blow something up. Yeah, blow a building up or something like that, but just have something happen. And you'll realize that, you know what, if you don't have something happen, nobody's going to be interested and you'll everyone will fall asleep. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically, going off of like, you know, what you should write your script about and all that, we, going back to the interview we had with our friend John M. Levine, um, he talks about writing for what you have. So when you're in no budget, and we talked about this as well in other podcasts, when you're writing your script and it's something you want to shoot and you're not going to sell it, think about what you have at your disposal to make it easier to produce. Um, me and Alex wrote this script knowing that we'd have access to some buildings in Vegas because Alex used to live there. We also knew that it was minimal sets and all that. Um, and then, you know, that was what we started with. It's kind of grown a little bit from there because we realized that, you know what, we're going to ask for a little bit more money for this. But, you know, the the movie that we produced with John was The Daughter, and that was written because John and his girlfriend at the time, now wife, uh, had access to her family's cabin in Tahoe. So they wanted, they had that for free. And they we just decided to shoot. Yeah. We wanted to shoot it with as little money as possible because we didn't want to spend the time really to like find investors. We wanted to do it more like the finding donations from family and friends mm-hmm. scenario. So it was a very small amount of money. Um, and in order to do that, you have to really have like free reign over some, some location because otherwise, I mean, you're going to be in a, in kind of a world of hurt trying to find locations for free and, yeah. pull, you know, call up people and pull in favors unless i mean you know perhaps you're in a in a town where it's a little bit more acceptable but yeah. in la even if you go up to like a little mom and pop shop they know the deal yeah. they know how much people charge for locations and they will get you <laughs> um but say you know say you are writing a screenplay or you want to write a screenplay or even a short you know not a feature-length film just a screenplay for like a you know 15 minute short but you say your parents are going to be out of town from their house for three weeks well then you know what if you you're not going to piss them off by just kind of tromping through their house for three weeks. Write a story about that takes place in their house, mm-hmm. um, you know. Or if you have this access to this really sweet, um, you know, 
piece of property or some land. Make it yeah. a camping horror film. And the one thing that we've uh, taken advantage of quite a bit is you know where we work or like people we know work. Mm-hmm. You know, we've shot. I've shot things at bars where people have worked and they've gotten access to it just because they have a good relationship with the owner. Yep. Um, or places that we work ourselves. Yep. Uh, we shot a whole short in the basement of uh, where I used to work. It they were remodeling it, so it was all gutted. It looked. Super creepy. We had access to a lot of stuff at any time of the night, mm-hmm. um, and we just took advantage of that. We made a short in like three days, and that's just kind of one of those things when you're when you're writing a screenplay. Think about, especially again, if you're going to be producing it yourself and filming it yourself, think about the things you have access to that can save you time and money because it's invaluable. And you, there's enough stories out there. I mean, at the beginning of the whole like one location craze, it was you know Ryan Reynolds in a a coffin for buried. I mean, one movie that me and Alex really liked was lock, which was starring Tom Hardy, where he all takes place in his car and it's, it's told over speakerphone. Yeah. Um, and you know, really good, really good, really compelling. So use what you have to your advantage when you're writing your script, know what you can have access to hit up friends before you start writing your screenplay. Hey, if I, if I have a screenplay that needs a house for three days, can I use your house for free? And you know, most people say yeah, especially if they get a little producer credit or something. And I think uh, another important thing to remember or, or think about when it comes to that is definitely write it for that when it's possible, but don't get hung up on that. Like if you have an idea that you want to put in the script and it moves everything forward and it doesn't involve something that you have access to, put it in anyway and, and get the script done, like we said. And you can always come back and rework it or think about that and try to find try to find it. And if you can't find it, uh, you can change it later. Yeah. You know, it's better to get the script done and yeah. deal with it later than it is to, um, you know, try to force everything into that box. And that being said, if you have an idea that is going to be a larger budget, write it. You never, And then, you know, put it to the side and, like we did and come back yeah. later and either rewrite it or when you have access to, you know, because you never know. Somebody could come up and be like, hey, you know what? I, I really am. I want to be a producer. My, I have some money. I really want to fund a million dollar movie. Do you have any ideas? Bam! I have this script I wrote a long while ago. Couldn't do it myself because I didn't have the money. But here it is. Um, yep. So never let something like money or location or what the potential budget of the movie is going to be hold you back from writing. Because the only thing that can do from writing scripts is you just get better at it. You get and yeah. you have more in your wheelhouse, so that when somebody comes up to you and says, "Hey, do you have any?" Screenplays, you can be like, bam, here you go. I got three of them that yep. I wrote that I couldn't do myself. Yep, not a bad thing. No, never, never a bad thing. All right, should we move on to finding screenplays? Sure. Yeah. So, where can you find screenplays if you don't uh, have the ability to write, or you don't want to write? Perhaps you're not the writing type. You're more of like a director, producer, or like a, you know, you just don't want to take the time to sit down and write for. Whatever reason. Well, if you live in L.A., you can find a screenplay anywhere. You go to a bar and somehow yeah, some... Yeah, just start five... digging through the trash bins yeah. at Starbucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in L.A., you can go to any bar and just say, who, who's got a screenplay here who uh, wants to get it produced? And probably about 20 people, including the bartender, will raise their hand and say, I have an idea for a movie, and let's check this out. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, if you're not in... And seriously, you can go to Starbucks and find anyone <laughs> with a set of headphones on and, and a MacBook Pro or something. Yeah, or a typewriter. <laughs> or a typewriter. <laughs> and they will... Just tap them on the shoulder and yeah. they'll be scared and yeah yeah make sure you're uh, wearing your tweed jacket and <laughs> you're drinking some sarsaparilla but um yeah i mean if you're not in la or you're not in one of these major film hubs the power of the internet 
Um, there's a lot of sites out there that maybe you know aren't selling screenplays, but you know you can have access to people who are making things or writing a screenplay. Um, first coming to mind is Facebook. There's enough Facebook groups out there for filmmakers. Yeah, one that comes to mind is the Frugal Filmmaker, which kind of coincides with no budget filmmaking. It's kind of the this group about people that are you know just trying to make things as cheap as they can because they don't may, maybe not have enough money or they don't want to spend a lot. And you'll go on that group and there'll be a lot of people saying, hey, I have a screenplay idea or I have a screenplay that I really want to get worked out. Yeah. And, you know, you can hit them up and, and work something out with them. And that's a great way to get a screenplay. Yeah, find a collaborator yeah. Um, to start with. Uh, I'm, sure there, I'm sure there's screenwriting specific groups on Facebook oh, as yeah. well. Um, and, but that's more of like if you want to collaborate with someone from the beginning or yeah. maybe if, if yeah. you want to find someone who has a finished script. Yeah. Uh, but there are also websites out there where you can peruse finished scripts mm-hmm. and purchase them or option them or negotiate a deal with, with the screenwriter. Yeah. And and before you guys get all crazy and thinking, well, this is no budget filmmaking. How can I option a script if I have no money? A lot of times, scripts are optioned for no money. Um, it's basically, yeah. you know what, I'll give you 100 bucks for your script, and if and when it gets made, I'll give you more money. Or when yeah. it gets financed, I'll give you more money. Optioning Usually a script with a, with a set period of time. So yeah. it's like, I'm going to option the script for a year yeah. for $100. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I find the financing, you'll get X number of dollars yep. a- after that. And what will happen is if you're a screenwriter trying to just, you know, strictly do screenwriting, you'll notice a lot of times people will option the screenplay because it is so hard to get a movie made. So what they'll come to you and they'll say, okay, I'll give you a thousand dollars for your script now. If in three, within three years it is, you know, made into a movie, I will give you a hundred thousand dollars and you know, hell, if they really want your script, they'll say, if it makes X amount, I'll give you this much. Just some little bumps. Yep. And then what they'll say is that after the three years, you have the option, and this is why it's called an option, to purchase the script back from them. And that's basically all you got to do is give them the $1,000 back. And what you'll find is a lot of writers will write a screenplay, option it for you know maybe $25,000, and it may not be their passion project. And somebody will say, okay, well, now you can buy it back from me for $25,000. And the person will be like, eh, I'm good. Mm-hmm. You, you can keep it. I'll keep my $25,000. Mm-hmm. Um, so don't think that if you're optioning... If you're a screenwriter and somebody wants to option your script, that doesn't mean you're getting a huge payday right off the bat. If you are a filmmaker and want to option a script, it doesn't mean you have to pay a lot up front. Sometimes you don't have to pay anything. Yeah. And so some of the websites that I know of are Blacklist Yeah, I mean, and, and Inktip. Those are kind of the two that come to mind. Um, I don't really have many experiences with Blacklist. Do you, Trevor? I mean, Blacklist used to be this great... As is the nature of the business, Blacklist used to be this great listing of all the best unproduced screenplays in Hollywood. And it was just put together by agents. It was put together by somebody who would like survey agents and readers for agencies and managers and, you know, script doctors and say, hey, do you have any scripts that have passed through your desk that you read that were like awesome, but you've never seen it made? And it was just a free thing. And I guess this is, again, like I said, the nature of this industry. And so for a while, they just put out a list of like, hey, this is, you know, this is what screenplays we think are really good and should, and should be made. And as it got more and more popular, they started charging for their service so you could be added to the blacklist. And then, of course, you could put your script up there and it could be get the option of purchasing it. But, you know, the curmudgeon old man in me is like, oh, what was once so sweet, such a nice service for screenwriters is now just a moneymaker. But... 
I mean, that happens in this industry. Um, and so Blacklist is a service that kind of gets your screenplay out there or gets other people's screenplay out there where you can go on and, again, option it or straight out purchase a script. Um, you know, it depends on the script. Uh, depends on the person, how much they're going to ask for the script, but it's a good way to go see what's out there and what possibilities of a script there are. Yeah, and Inktip is a a database as well. I mean, you can put, you can sign up as a writer, post your script up, and it's kind of like a another database for people, producers, and other people to sort of browse through and see the log line, and then they can reach out to you and contact you for your script and stuff like that. Or if you're a producer, you can reach out to the writers for information on their script and try to um, make a deal with them as well. Yeah. So it's a similar deal. Um, I think, I don't know, Inktip has been around for quite a while. Yeah, I think it, I think Inktip was around before Blacklist went like a pay service. Yeah. And so it's just Don't another... quote me on that, but I'm just going back into the well. <laughs> yes, of going back into the well. <laughs> I'm just going to utilize that the whole rest of this podcast for 15 minutes or <laughs> yep. however long this is. Yep. Uh, but it does it does cost, I believe, the writer money to list their script. Yeah. Um, if I'm not mistaken, it's like 60 bucks for a script. Yeah. And I guess, you know, that's it's it's one of the inert problems I have with, you know, just the whole business model of Hollywood and all that is like you're you're making money off of people's hopes and dreams. Right. But at the same time, they are offering a valuable service where your script is out there so people can see it where they normally wouldn't. So, yeah. And um, I, don't, I have fine. no idea what the uh, sort of turnaround rate is for a script on, on Inktip or Blacklist. Yeah, how, that's true. I how can't, well it goes. Can't, uh, but definitely a place to look if you're looking for a screenplay um, yeah. as or, a producer or a director. Or to put your screenplay, if you have one that you want to get out there and, and you know it's a little bit b- bigger budget than you could afford right now, just want to see it get made. Yeah. Um, another good place to go is competitions. Um, either to submit or just to see what the list of it is. Of- yeah, you can always you know check out the the screenplays that have won or were nominated for something, or you know just uh, even going to um, events or festivals where they have a screenplay competition, just meeting with some writers that way, mm-hmm. um, all that kind of stuff. If, yeah. If they've won an award at a pretty well known. Uh, competition. It, it's pretty likely that they they've got what it takes. Yeah, exactly. Um, so you know, just check it out. You can you can search. You can just Google it, um, or as I like to say, GTS Google that shit, um, and find out the all the different competitions they have out there. There's tons of them. Uh, people keep starting new ones. Uh, people just want content, and especially in this day and age, people want content, so they're trying to get screenplays any way they can. Yeah, and there's a there's a social network out there for filmmakers called Stage Thirty Two, yep. that has screenwriting competitions as well as a social networking aspect that you could reach out to writers or other filmmakers mm-hmm. and try to collaborate with them via um, you know directly or in sort of like a, a lounge or a, yeah. a forum type scenario. I think they setting. just I don't know if it's still going on. I think it may be over. They just had a competition for the next great comedy writer. They had a a comedy script contest with National Lampoon. That's they, right. They wanted That's to get right. somebody to write a script that National Lampoon would produce, the next Van Wilder or Animal House. Pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, that's a great place to check it out. I mean, even LinkedIn, you'll see people up on there that say they're screenwriters. You know, it's, 
in this day and age, you know, there used to be cold calling in Hollywood where you just call somebody up and say, hey, can I send you my script? But now it's kind of now cold email. Yeah, cold messaging. You just kind of hit people up and say, hey, I noticed you're a screenwriter. I'm looking for some content. What do you write? Do you have anything? Um, I'd love to talk to you. And they could say, hey, I write sci-fi fantasy. And you're like, oh, not what I'm looking for. That's fine. They're, they're used to it. Um, they're just probably happy that you message them. Um, and you, you can find tons of people that way that are just willing to talk to you about their ideas and their screenplays. Yeah. And then a side note that I just thought of right now. Um, it, Look at you. Yeah. It's it's for shorts, mostly. Oh. Or, or um, I guess you could do a feature, but you can't, uh, you can't sell it. Uh, the $1 Stephen King option. Oh, my Are God. This thing is, this? yes, I love this thing. This is fantastic. Good. Hats off to Stephen King. Good job, Stephen. I mean. He, Mr. King. He blew all of his money on cocaine for a while, but then he got it all back, and now he's helping everybody out. Now he's doing his thing. Yep. But you can uh, go to, I don't even know what the website is, but you can Google it again uh, and find the Stephen King $1 option. I'll look it up and, right now. Uh, oh, great. Um, but basically what you do is there's a list of his short films or his short, uh, his short stories and other stories that you can option and basically just write them, uh, an email, say, I want to option this, this screenplay. And they send you back a little agreement, an option agreement, and you send back a dollar with it. And you're able to write a, a script based on one of his stories and submit it to festivals. Yep. Um, um if you go to stephenking.com, um, you know, there isn't really a link to it right away, but if you search Dollar Babies, those are the um, those are the, the titles that he has written that are currently available for adaptation. Um, if you're a student or if you want to do something with it and then talk to him about making it to a bigger thing, you can option it for a dollar. Um, you know, it's things like The Doctor's Case, Here... Here there be tigers, survivor type. You know, just stories that you may not know, but um, a lot are, of them are the from his um, his books that are just like collections of yeah. short stories and stuff yeah. like that. And so they're not well known, but they're still good. It's still Stephen King, and for a dollar you can uh, you know have your chance at adapting it uh, as you see fit and go from there. I mean, if it if it's good enough to be made into a movie, you can talk to him about that. But uh, yeah, you can option a, a Stephen King original for a dollar. There you go. Good good idea. I forgot about that one. That's good. Pretty cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Um, yeah, I mean, that, and the old, I guess the other thing we could say is that, as with everything with filmmaking, if you just start working on sets, you'll meet people who have screenplays. Um, you know, gaffers, DPs, directors, editors, they all... Actors. Actors. They all, you know, there's a lot of people who have who do screenwriting in their free time. And if you just work on a set. Now, if you're a screenwriter, you may not have the desire to work on set, but, you know, just go to a set. Um, go visit one or, you know, be a PA for a while. But you'll meet people, just like we said, walking into a bar in L.A., you'll meet people on set that have an idea or a screenplay that they want to get produced. And they will more than likely want to talk to you if, you, if you're interested in producing what they have. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, just if you surround yourself with creatives, if you surround yourself with filmmaking people, you'll find the people you want to work with. You'll find the ideas you want. And it's it's a lot easier than just, you know, sitting at home, writing alone, hoping that somebody notices it. Yeah. And I imagine uh, there's also... Um there's writing groups, like physical groups, not Facebook groups that you can go to to uh, 
sort of uh, collectively work on each other's screenplays where it's like throwing ideas uh, at each other and um, just having like a writing partner when you don't have a writing partner. Yeah, I think I think our buddy Logan was doing that for a little bit. I don't know if yeah. that's still going on, but yeah, mm-hmm. there's a. I mean, you know, get together with a bunch of people, order some pizzas, have some beers, and talk uh, about some scripts. Yeah, go to the well and get some alcohol. Right, <laughs> write your own, but at the same time, you're meeting other people that are writing scripts, and perhaps you know you want to partner with them on something that they're doing. And it's the same thing that we said before: is that you know get other people. Um, to listen to your ideas and they'll give you ideas that you may not have thought of and they will give you, especially if they're screenwriters too, they will give you positive feedback and be like, Hey, guess what? This I like, this I don't. And you don't have to take it. You can, you know, just kind of brush it off, but it's always good to, to talk to people. Yep. Um, so I think that'll do it. Um, let's move on to what's cool. What we found in the news of film and, uh, what we kind of like. And, uh, you started off, Alex, go ahead. All right. Well, uh, I saw this a little while ago, okay. and I kind of forgot about it, and then Ooh. I remembered it. Oh, look at and you. it's pretty cool. It's the Panavision Liquid Crystal ND filter. Oh, man. Which um, is pretty cool. There's been variable ND filters around for a while, which are the round type that you spin. And, uh, you know, those are those are pretty cool. Yep. yep. Uh, mechanical. Yep. No, no power necessary. Yeah. But this Panavision one is a... Um, uh, one that you would put in a matte box. Okay. You know, so it's not the round filters that you screw onto a uh, a lens. All right. Uh, but it also, it has a battery in it, and it's made with li- liquid crystal, and it has Whoa. different settings. It sounds like the future. It sounds like the future. Yeah, so you can just cycle through the different levels of ND. Um, with crystals. With one filter, so you don't have to swap them out. Oh, it's man. pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Have you seen any? And have you seen any footage of it? Some test footage of it? All I've seen is um, basically someone shooting through it at NAB, I believe it was, or or Cinegear. I don't know one of those. And um, yeah, you know, it looks I like good. It. I think they spent a lot of time and money and you know research into making sure that they could get it sort of color accurate, so it wasn't creating some kind of weird funky color mm, cast. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, yep. And so. That I think is probably what took the most time because obviously the technology of liquid crystal has been around for a yeah. long time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, that's cool. Yeah, that's, that's really cool. Yeah. I, I I mean, I'm a big fan of of shrinking your kit as much as you can. So if Definitely. you don't, have, I mean, granted, ND filters are not that big and don't take up that much room. But hey, you know, a little less stuff in your gig bag is is not a bad thing. It's not. E- yeah, and also even just the time saved. Again, it's like seconds or you know, not very much time, but. Switching out ND filters, you know, that saves a little bit of time. Most, yep. A lot of cameras have it built into the camera, but if it doesn't, it would be nice to be able to just stick one filter in front, flip through them, get, yeah. get it dialed in right instead of having to like shuffle out different filters and stuff. Big fan. Do you know how much that's going to cost? I don't think they, they said yet. Okay. Um, but I imagine it's, Panavision, it's going to be quite so it's be... a lot. Maybe even rental only. I don't know. Panavision tends to May just do, do that rental only. Yep, that you can't even buy it um, unless it's in an auction because they're getting rid of it, which is how we've acquired some of our equipment. Um, so for me, uh, I don't know if anyone's heard this announcement. Um, when this podcast com- podcast comes out, it may be a little dated, but um, Instagram IGTV. What do you think about this, Alex? Another. I mean, Facebook has Facebook Watch. Facebook mm-hmm. owns Instagram, yep. and now they're coming out with IGTV, which is like their. Long form, long form Instagram videos, video platform. Um, now, personally, for me, um, not a big fan of any vertical video that's longer than five seconds. 
Um, I don't mind vertical video if it's not meant to be cinematic. It's true, but I think they want this to be kind of cinematic a little bit at least. Maybe. I don't know. I think, I think, I imagine it's, it's just a rising platform for vlogs really is kind of what it's going to be. And, and Instagram kind of got everybody on this vertical stories thing with their stories. So they're kind of like, I think they were grooming everyone into getting these vertical short stories. Yeah, Instagram. I think their their phrase is like shooting video the way uh, you're meant to on like a phone or yeah, something. Yeah, it's for mobile. It's for mobile. I mean, again, like I don't mind vertical video when it comes to like social videos and whatnot um, because that is how you know you're holding the phone. Yep. But if it's cinematic, I don't know. It, it's it, tough. It, I don't know. It's tough. I, I'd like to see what they where they go with the the content if they're trying to make like you know episodic TV shows in the vertical format. I'm like, hey, wait a second here. Um, yeah, because I'm not. You can make a video up to an hour apparently on it, right? Yeah. I'm not gonna sit there with my phone for an hour. No, the thing. that's the thing. That's the thing that's so crazy is that uh, maybe maybe this is just where the where the generation right before the generation that it will do that. But mm. I don't see sitting on a phone in vertical format for. 30 minutes even yeah. um i would I, you know i don't I mean i would listen to something yeah from my phone but i wouldn't sit there and hold it in front of my face and watch Mm-mm. it yeah uh that's that's not my jam but i mean if, if they can figure it out the right way i'm sure they'll figure out a way to make money off of it yeah but hey who knows we'll be doing our first uh instagram <laughs> tv video uh i don't know sometime yeah, of what we have yet to decide that, but it's going to be vertical. You know that. Yep. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be pretty awesome. Sweet. Lens flares. Uh, let's see. Oh, yeah. Another thing that I saw just now was mm-hmm. the NVIDIA fake slow-mo powered by mm-hmm. AI. Ooh, wow. Everyone's man. busting out the AI these days. Soon VFX artists are going to be obsolete. Yeah, but this basically uh, takes regular footage, 30 frames, 24 frames, 60 frames or whatever, and it interpolates the fra- the missing frames in between um, when you stretch it out for slow-mo. So what would normally be like 240 frames and you've only shot 24, it interpolates the the, the frames in between and, that are missing to create a smooth slow-mo effect. And I just watched the video demo of it and it looks pretty good. Right? I mean, even slow-mo in camera can sometimes be a little choppy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I saw that. I saw... I don't... I think there's a couple of videos. I saw the one of the car drifting. Mm, um, mm-hmm. Looks good. Looks real good. Pretty good. Super smooth. It looks possibly like slightly fuzzy. Er, like it's not as crisp mm-hmm. because it's blending things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but but the actual smooth movement, I would say, is far superior to like. I oh mean, I just think of like the crappy. TV movies or whatever when they bust out in the slow mo or whatever and yeah. it's just like the worst. Oh, it the usually worst. is the worst. <laughs> it's like people just trying to add that slow mo in for the they, cool factor. They do it's it like, in no. post. They never even thought about doing it. You know, oh, slow, slow mo is always an afterthought, which is why this thing is cool. They because just, how often do people think of slow mo in camera? A lot, a lot of t- when you're planning it. But a lot of these crappy movies, they just they just don't yeah. oh, plan yeah. it. I meant more of the crappy movies. <laughs> when are they thinking about doing slow mo? They're not. Never. They're just thinking about jamming through 10 pages a day and trying yeah. to get it done as cheaply as possible. Um, something that I saw that was pretty cool is the MoviePass family deal. Now, I don't know if anybody out there, if everyone out there knows what MoviePass is. If you don't, why are you listening to this podcast? You're not a true movie fan if you don't know what MoviePass is. <laughs> yep. JK, JK, JK. Um, MoviePass is the great deal where you pay $10 a month and you get a movie to see a movie a day. Yep. So you could in theaters. Yeah, in theaters. You could technically see 30 movies a month 
for ten dollars total. Three hundred sixty-five movies a year yeah, for one hundred and twenty dollars total. What? That's crazy. Crazy, crazy insane. Um, so you're the, not going to do it because there's not that much movie, that no, many movies out there exactly. that you that, really want to see. That's why you guys need to get out there and make the movies that people want to see. But yep. the family deal, uh, if if I personally don't have this situation, but Alex does with his fiance. They both have a movie pass, and when they go to the theater. Uh, Alex takes care of the tickets, but he has to do he has to book it through Movie Pass's app for him, buy the ticket, and then book it for his fiance, and then buy her ticket. What the family deal does is it kind of puts two people on one account. So I can go in with my Movie Pass app, say I want two tickets, and then when I go up to the kiosk, I can book two tickets and choose seats right next to each other without problems, mm-hmm. and then check out, and that's fantastic. Yeah. I'm going to sneakily sign my wife up who swears that she won't use MoviePass enough to make it worth her while, but seeing that movies are $18 in LA. If you use it once a month, you're golden. Which Maybe we, even like once every two months, you're very close to We go see good. a movie at least twice a month, so I don't know what she's talking about. She's crazy. She's mm. this financial Nazi about our finances, but that being said, I'm going to sneakily just add her to my account, and then one time we go to the movie, I'm going to swipe the card. Pull out two tickets, and I'll be like, I just saved you $8. Mm-hmm. Boom. Boom. Nailed it. But what's not cool? What's not cool, Alex? Ugh. Surge pricing. I know. They're pulling an Uber. They are. <laughs> nice. Why would they? Because oh. they need money, man. I'll tell you, I'll tell you why in, in a hot second here. Yeah. So surge pricing, basically, when there's a hot movie out, just out in theaters, brand new, you're going to get charged an extra 2 to $6. Per ticket. Per ticket. Yeah. Which sucks. And why are they doing that? You say, well, it just was revealed that MoviePass may be short-lived because they said they need about $1.2 billion worth of investment mm-hmm. to get them over the hump to be profitable. Uh, so oh, That's nothing. That's true. But you see all these companies that are worth $600 billion or $60 billion, like Uber and all that, doesn't mean they got that billion investment. That's just what they're valued at. Right. But... Come you know, on, Mark Cuban, step it up. Exactly. Let's, exactly. let's, let's get let's get let's this give, idea on Shark get, Tank. Yeah, let's get movie pass on Shark Tank where they go in and they're like, "Hey, I need we have 1. an idea." Two bill. Yeah, you're gonna get 0.3 percent. Yeah, and I'm gonna pay for everybody to go to a movie a day for ten dollars a month, and he'd be laughed out of the room. Yep. I'm like that's not sustainable. That's the worst business model I've ever heard. But yeah, so that's why they're kind of doing it. They have been messing around with their plans for a while, different price points, all kinds of stuff like that. Uh, because it sounds like they need $1.2 billion to operate in for long enough that they reach a profit, start reaching a profit. So, mm-hmm. yay. We'll see how long MoviePass lives, but hopefully long enough to take advantage of the family plan for a little bit. Hopefully. And the then, next thing is the Welcome to Marwin trailer. Oh, yeah. I don't, I don't know, if you know saw what that, that is. Okay, so Welcome to Marwin is this new movie coming out starring uh, Steve Carell. It's directed by Robert Zemeckis. And it is based. Is it animated? On, it's slightly animated, slightly uh-huh. live. Yeah. Zemeckis, you Zemeckis, little devil. you sly fox, you. And what it is is, I'm a big fan of this documentary called uh, "Welcome to Marwin Cole," and it's a story about a guy who got jumped outside of a bar, had severe brain damage, made a recovery, but just is very socially disconnected from the world. And how he is able to, what he connects to is these uh, one eighth miniatures from like world war ii mm. action figures almost if you wanted to say that and he creates these stories in his backyard he has like build small buildings that he built backstories for all these characters and he takes pictures of them and they're gorgeous pictures they're like 
it's actually kind of funny. The reason I found this documentary is there's this picture that was circulating on Facebook about like, this is what a real Marine does. And it shows this Marine like carrying another Marine over his shoulder through like muck and all that while carrying his gun. And somebody commented was like, yeah, that's a fake picture. Those are, those are, uh, those are action figures that this guy set up. And I was like, what? This looks so real. And it led me down the rabbit hole to, uh, welcome to Marwin call. And so this movie, this is a Mechas movie is based off of this, documentary in this guy's story and what it is is it's steve carell has suffered brain injury and he can only connect to the world through his or he only feels comfortable around his uh action figures and they're kind of like his safety blanket and he can't really interact with the world very well and so what it does is it's steve carell um leslie mann but it then goes into the action figures kind of come to life so it tells the story of the action figures the stories mm. that he is you know kind of animating out by moving the hands and legs but it's just them and the action figures animated voiced by all the actors in the film and it looks really cool um and i think it looks it's cooler to me because i saw the documentary which i recommend to anyone um we'll put a link in our show notes to where you can watch the documentary or buy it um but it looks like a cool idea, you know. It's it's Zemeckis blending animation and uh, live action, so I'm in, and I love Steve Carell, especially in a uh, uh, more dramatic role. So yeah. I'm I'm in, I'm in. Uh, check out the trailer; we'll have a link to that. But um, sounds cool. more importantly, check out the documentary. It's really cool, really cool. All right, I think that's it for what's cool for, for this episode. Have we reached the finish line. I think we have. All right, just in time to go back to the well and get another vodka soda. Yes, we can. God, I'm killing that. I'm just. Just beating that joke dead. I'm sorry. Dead horse that couldn't get back to the well. (laughs) Thanks so much for joining us, guys. Remember, you can get the show notes for this episode, plus the 36 Dramatic Situations document that we put together by going to nobudgetfilmmaking.com slash episode 11 and also cinemasummit.com. If you can't remember that address, it's super long, but cinemasummit.com is a little bit easier, and then you can get the 36 Dramatic Situations right there in your faces when you log on. Yep, and don't forget to hop on over to iTunes and subscribe to our podcast. And while you're there, give us a five-star rating if you feel so inclined. And as always, if you have any filmmaking questions, ask away in the comments section, and we will try to answer them the best we can. And like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, subscribe to our YouTube, do the whole thing. You a know what to do. bang a bang get At it. Cinema Summit. And we'll see you, or you'll hear us <laughs> next time. Whether you like it or not. Later. Bye.